This is episode 67 of the Landscape Photography Show, and on this episode we're talking with, right now, honestly, one of my favorite photographers on Instagram, and that is Jared Armijo. I had a lot of questions for Jared, specifically about his journey through photography and talking about like the contrast of cultures living in the South versus living in the Pacific Northwest and what that did for him personally through his mentality, just for life, for creative outlets. And then also we talk about how he relates back to different areas of the United States in shooting Southwest versus the Pacific Northwest based on his background in who he is as a person, both Native American and Spanish. The Landscape Photography Show is a podcast where you can listen to your favorite photographers talk about their journey in photography. It's a place where you can be inspired and also learn how to take better photos. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey, what's up, guys? We're here with Jared Armijo. Uh, Jared and I have been discussing several topics over on Instagram, actually. We've been messaging back and forth, and I was, I've was i been following Jared for a good minute, and I was originally introduced to him via himself when he messaged me, and he actually asked to come on the podcast, which I love when people do, because uh, it takes some of the work away from me going out and finding people to get on the podcast. Jared, let me ask you this, and, and I, I, I want to apologize that it's taken me so long to get you on the show, but I want to ask you, why did you want to start telling your story in like life and photography now? Hmm. Honestly... I just felt like I was getting stuck and I needed to branch out and push myself out of my introvert self. I'm pretty introverted, believe it or not. (laughs) And I feel like I wouldn't grow artistically if I didn't start pushing myself out in other aspects of my life, aka public speaking, maybe uh, trying to speak to other photographers because I pretty much avoided that for a good (laughs) like two years other than like my close group of friends. I have like five or six close friends that I do photography with. Other than that, I didn't really branch out, which I think potentially could hinder my growth as an artist. So mm-hmm. it's probably why I started wanted to start telling my story and whatnot to more of an audience. Did it take a certain amount of courage to, to branch out and do that? Hell yeah. (laughs) I'm an introvert, man. Like, I don't mind being somewhat in the spotlight, but uh, I was talking to my friend TJ, and I was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. (laughs) I feel like I'm stuck. And he's also kind of introverted, and he's like, well, you just need to kind of, like, man up (laughs) and reach out to people and see what happens. And honestly, that's what I started doing. Let's jump back then to when you actually started your photographic journey, kind of fill me in on how you got started and what led you to landscape photography specifically. So I started in high school and I just did film primarily. I did like studio lighting and I did a lot of documentary photography just Mm because that's what I was interested in at the time. Um, I loved portrait photography. Uh, That was my big shtick for a bit. 
and then eventually, um, I, I was getting kind of bored. Honestly, I get bored pretty easily. And I started branching out to other like uh, genres of photography. And then we moved over here to Oregon. And then I was like, holy crap, there's a lot of landscape here. <laughs> I should go into it. <laughs> and that's kind of what happened where I'm at now. Cool. Awesome. You lived in Florida before moving to Oregon. Um, what was that like for you in your personal life? What was that like for you also in um, creativity and photography as well? Honestly, the, uh, living in the South Florida, I lived in Georgia as well, Valdosta, Georgia. I went to like Hey Hira Middle School <laughs> <laughs> in the middle of BFE. <laughs> and it was pretty terrible for me. <laughs> um, artistically speaking, I felt really held down because I was dealing with such other personal matters in my life at the time with depression. Uh, you know, I felt like I just never fit in there at all. Um, and people made that well aware <laughs> and kind of treated me like crap for quite a while as when I lived there. And I mean, yeah, I had some good friends from there. Don't get me wrong. And there were some positive things that came from living there, but overall it really, really hindered my personal artistic growth, um, for quite a bit. Really, I didn't start blossoming until I moved out here when I was in a better state of mind and a better place with a more positive, um, supportive people here. What are the cultural differences between the two? For the Northwest to the South, uh, first thing I'm going to say is racism is well and alive in the South. Um, I'm Spanish, Native American, and I am gay as well. So it doesn't, <laughs> I didn't fit in there and people made it well, you know, made me uh, know that I was not okay to be there. And I think that in itself held me down so much mentally that I couldn't even think about potentially being creative or anything else really, because the cultural difference there is just insane. And I live all over the country and out of the country as well. And I'm going to have to say, like, unfortunately, the South for me, it was just very racist and very, um, if you didn't <laughs> play by their rules by any means on whatever you like to do, you just kind of were frowned upon and made fun of. And it can be as simple as like playing video games or watching anime or uh, making different foods. Like I love making all kinds of different foods. Like I just made bao, homemade bao. And I would be made fun of for just doing that and bringing it into work or whatever, you know, even into work. <laughs> it's quite toxic. What, yeah. What do you, what do you think attributes to, I'm going to say toxicity because it, it is toxic. And that's what's so crazy. Honestly, I don't, I, it's, I think it's such a complex situation that it doesn't have like one answer. Um, especially for there. I'm going to have to say a lot. Uh, what I noticed when I lived in those uh, places like Tallahassee and Valdosta, Georgia, a lot of people just didn't know any better. Like they've never traveled and they've never been like out of the state really or that area to really know like there's a lot of different things out there to begin with. Um, and I'm not really sure if religion has a place in it too, 
but I felt like, and this, and I'm not against religion by any means, by by the way, but it just felt like they use that to like shun other people who didn't practice like their specific religion. And so it was just kind of off-putting to me because <laughs> I, I mean, like I lived in Japan for four years. And that was my favorite place to live. And I was, I don't think I was really shunned as a kid when I was there and no one really um, cared about race too much. And it's not until I moved from Japan to Valdosta, Georgia, that I actually knew what the word racism was. And it was kind of weird because I, I had no idea about it until then. Or maybe I just never noticed it because I was just a kid, you know? But it was really prevalent <laughs> in middle school and high school as well. I'm sitting here like I'm from the South. So let me first say I'm sorry um, for my fellow Southerners. <laughs> but um, it's not like your fault or, any, you know, like there's good people that come from everywhere and there's bad people that come from everywhere, you know? That is true. It, it's just this is this is really the second time I know David Thompson talked about uh, racial tensions when the murder of George Floyd was happening on the podcast. And we discussed that this is the second time racism is coming up. Uh, it's it's very difficult to talk about because it's a very sticky subject. <laughs> it is. But that's the point of communication, right, is to talk through sticky subjects. As long as you both can like start off with a conversation openly saying, hey, I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to hurt you. I just want to discuss this because it is very sticky <laughs> and it's a little icky. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sticky icky. It's how the much, sticky icky. <laughs> how much do, does fear play into it, though? Fear. What do you mean by fear? Like in what aspect? Something different coming into what they know is is how it's always been done ah you know i think a decent amount because yeah i do think it's a decent amount of fear as well and i'm not really sure why because it's it was so strange like the more open-minded i was there to tolerate everybody the more shunned i got like i mm. they they found upon me a lot more and i just didn't understand that because i was like but I accept you and I do love you <laughs> and I accept that other person over there and I do love them. And just because they do ABC doesn't mean it's wrong. I still love them. And, but they didn't have that concept. I don't know if that's like a taught thing or I'm not really sure, but it was very, very strange because I didn't really experience like all that hate and toxic attitudes i guess you can say until i went there and lived there for like what six six or seven years i lived in georgia and florida yeah i'm gonna take a risk here um <laughs> it were you surprised by that going into an area known as the bible belt so when I was okay, so like I moved there in middle school in Georgia, so I didn't really I knew what the Bible Belt was, you know, but I didn't know like what it exactly meant, I guess, until I actually lived there. So in retrospect, now absolutely not, I would never be surprised. But when I was a kid and I just got introduced to that area, of course, uh, that was very surprising because I didn't really understand the concept of all that, or you know, racism or any of that. 
And I didn't really understand toxic attitudes because I was still a kid. <laughs> uh, but in retrospect now, if I were to go back or visit or anything, absolutely. I'd be a little bit more aware, you know, of my surroundings. Um, it's like you have to kind of put a, like a, a wall up, so to speak, hmm. just to make sure, you know, everything is going okay for you. Safety, kind of mental safety as well. <laughs> Yeah. And I'm glad you said that because it almost seems to me like if you put a mental wall up, a barrier, it doesn't allow you to be vulnerable with other people. And that can fuel anxiety, that can fuel depression. Exactly. And that's what it does. You close up, which is sad because I'm actually not a very close person. If someone comes up to me, a random person, of course, I'm going to say hello, you know, and speak to them, see what they're doing, whatever. But over there, um, it definitely shut me down. And it shut me down pretty damn well, like uh, to a point where I was suicidal. And that is what drove me to move to the Northwest, um, is to literally get myself out of the toxic area and to try to fix myself from you know all the damage that I had there. Was there a lowest point? Was there a breaking point in which yeah. you had to say, I've got to move? Oh, for sure. Um, you know, I had suicidal ideation daily. And that's when I realized at that point in time, like, okay, like, this is not healthy. No one should be thinking about this 24-7. Like, it's not like I was like, I'm going to end it, I'm going to end it. But it would just pop up in my head, like, you know, what if I did? what if I did? And it's like, that's not, that's not good. <laughs> that's obviously unhealthy. And that was my breaking point, honestly, because I was, I was just like, it's getting closer to the steps of actual suicide, right? Is the thought of just, you keep thinking it over and over and over. And then eventually it might actually come to play. And I just knew I did not want that to happen. So, uh, my partner and I, um, we ended up moving here to Oregon because I just basically, I didn't really even tell him. I wasn't even actually open to him about it until years later. The reason why I was like so desperate to move because I wasn't okay at the time to even like relay my feelings accordingly. And I just wasn't okay to say it out loud yet. Like now I can talk about it free will, you know, freely. I mean, and it's okay. I have, it's whatever. I'm over it. But back then I was not okay with it still. Um, is compare and contrast kind of what you would feel like? Well, let me ask you it this way. Did you feel better when you would go out and express yourself creatively with photography when you were going through that? Yeah. And so I did like a lot of studio lighting at the time because in Florida, there's not much landscape that I like personally. Mm. Yeah, we have the ocean and swamps and <laughs> but it becomes it's just, redundant after a it's while. right. It's very redundant. It's like the same thing. And I was just very uninterested by it, to be honest with you. Um, so I stuck to studio lighting a lot and I used to manipulate flowers and different lighting setups to create like a lot of different faces or objects with these flowers with different colors, um, to kind of express myself. And that was like a nice way for me to kind of let some steam out. But at one point it just stopped working 
And so that's when I started getting more suicidal ideations. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what to do at that point, other than to like <laughs> go to the polar opposite end of the United States. Because <laughs> 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 that's the most uh, realistic thing to do. <laughs> Why do you think it did stop working? It became, it was the same thing over and over. I'm, mm. I like doing different things. I like experimenting. Um, and I was just like, wow, I'm getting the same result again and again. And it was beautiful at first, you know, and awesome. But after a while, I just get bored and I'm like, this doesn't do it for me. This doesn't even tickle my fancy. <laughs> <laughs> I just look at it. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty, but whatever. And I'm like, throw it away. <laughs> Yeah. I, th I think a natural question for me to ask here, Jared, is um, what what does that depression look like and what are some red flags that people can look to? Because number one, I, I want to ask you this question to honor your story and, and kind of hear your thoughts on your progression through it. And also, if anyone else is struggling with it, I think there should be some things that they should watch exactly. for, be aware of. I agree with you 200%. You know, it's the, when you lose interest of anything you love is a huge red flag. And so for me, it was like photography, right? And then, like I just told you, I wanted to just throw my stuff away because I was just like, meh, whatever. Yeah, mm. it's pretty, but I don't care. And you become more numb. Um, and sometimes, like, depression can hurt your body physically. I know that sounds weird. It's more of, like, a mental... I don't even... I don't get it, uh, honestly, but I have had it multiple times where it's to the point where my body just hurts. Hmm. And I don't want to move. I just want to be. I don't want to speak. I just want to look at nothing. <laughs> and that is it. And the thing is, is, like, sometimes nothing will even trigger that. Like I, I can be like today, for instance, like I feel great, blah, blah, blah. Then all of a sudden it's just like, boom, depression. And I just kind of shut down and it just comes out of nowhere. And it doesn't really have to have like a source because that's just not what depression is. Hmm. There's a book that, that I'm remembering right now called The Body Keeps the Score. Um, and it's a book all about how the mind can relay messages of, of some of the pain that it's going through and it will trigger pains in your body to relay that message. For example, um, I dealt with a, a lot with PTSD. Uh, I would have flare ups in like joints. I would have joint pain and I would just be tired and painful I all over. Um, but reading through that, it, it, said that your mind would trigger the same response as if you were having a stroke. So wow. it would render you like flat, uh, speechless, kind of like what you were saying, numb. Um, and, and it would trigger those same results for you. Huh? I had no idea that would honestly, that makes sense. I mean, I've had times where I would maybe say like a couple of sentences a day, you know, mm -hmm. and I would just, whatever i was just there i was just a body <laughs> yeah I, I mean i don't know how to say it i was just there and it's such a terrible feeling i don't get it nearly as much now i still do at times but it's not as 
prominent, I guess. And I have tools now to kind of like, you know, get me through it or just remind myself, like, it's fine. It'll pass. But that took years to get to. That wasn't easy. What are those reps that you do mentally? Well, I literally say to myself, it's going to be fine. Tomorrow's going to be better. You slept like crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, just get through today. Go play some video games. Go read. Go edit something real quick. You know, just try to get your mind off of it a little bit. Maybe go take a walk, even though you don't want to. Force yourself. Um, it ends up, I don't know, kind of pushing you through. At least for me, personally. I also like creating, you know. Um, that being said, like, I like creating a lot of different things. I don't just do photography. Like, I love cooking. I just got into baking. Uh I like watercolor painting. Um, I hopefully eventually I'll get into more painting here, but I I just figured if I start creating more, the better I feel because I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing. It's just mm. creating nice things. Favorite thing to cook is what? Ooh, probably something from my New Mexican roots, like uh, green chicken enchilada casserole or. Um, tamales or sopapillas <laughs> all right if i'm coming to portland i expect <laughs> all three of those things <laughs> and i love cinnamon rolls i have been making them a lot and <laughs> getting fat <laughs> <laughs> but i'm perfecting them and they're freaking good i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> when you got to oregon and, and you made that jump did you feel a physical weight off of your body Oh, God, yeah. Hmm. It was like night and day difference. I think what it is, too, about Portland is Portland's kind of weird, and I love weird. It makes me feel normal. <laughs> and everyone here is way more accepting, and they make it clear, you know. Uh, like the shops have signs, like everyone's welcome. doesn't matter if you're black, yellow, gay, whatever. Just come in. Trans, it doesn't matter. Just come in. We love you. Um, a lot of BLM movement stuff. Like it just is a lot more of a welcoming. They try to be inclusive is what I'm saying. So when I did move here, I did feel a lot better right away. What about uh, with your photography? Did it just like, I, I envision you getting into Oregon and the doors just like burst open with different <laughs> ideas for photography. <laughs> you know, it's funny when I first moved here, I moved, I didn't do photography for a year here, honestly. Hmm. Um, Why? You know, I was in like a honeymoon phase of just being away from the South. Hmm. That I went and enjoyed and did where the hell I wanted to do. Like, I wanted to try all these different restaurants, meet new people. Um, I did some hikes, don't get me wrong. But I didn't really pick up my camera until a year after when I started getting bored with all that stuff and the honeymoon phase was kind of wearing off, you know? And, you know, I started two different jobs uh, in medical that year as well. So that kind of preoccupied me as well. Um, but after that, uh, I started to uh, lose that honeymoon phase and I started getting depressed again. Mm -hmm. and i didn't know why because i was like why i'm happy like i'm away from florida you know or whatever and i'm out of 
that toxic area. Why am I still feeling so depressed? And honestly, it's because I never dealt with those feelings um, from Florida or Georgia. And they're sneaking them back up on me. So that's when I actually started picking up my camera again. Um, and I went out by myself for a bit. Um, did trails by myself or whatever. And I did that for a while. Uh, until I actually met other people through Instagram, which I didn't even use social media until Instagram, really. And then I came to realize, like, oh, wow, there's, like, a lot of landscape photographers. <laughs> like, <I can't>... <laughs> <laughs> Or, like, wow, there's other people that do this? I didn't know that. I'm such a boomer at heart, by the way. <laughs> 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 like, I am so oblivious to that kind of crap. So <laughs> I just messaged random people. Probably seemed a little creepy at the time. But I was just like, hey, do you want to meet up? To, like, anyone. <laughs> Um, just because I was like excited and wanting to go out, you know, and meet new people who shared landscape photography interests. So, yeah. Did it I mean, help you though? As a, like you're, you're a self-proclaimed introvert. I, yeah. I could imagine. <laughs> I am. That was a little bit weird, a little bit difficult. Did, did it help you though? Kind of express yourself? Yes. Uh, it did. And, you know. Again, it kind of pushed me out of my shell, like, okay, Jared, just reach out to anyone that you see, that the work you like, just reach out to them and ask them. Some, are, some of them are probably going to think you're weird and creepy, because they're like, who's this rando, you know? Like, <laughs> he doesn't even know how to use social media. <laughs> and like, and I completely understand that, so sorry if I offended anyone. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, it did ex uh, help me express myself as uh, time went on. I actually worked through a lot of my feelings when I was out in nature, more so, like just a lot of reflection time, mm. which is kind of different from how I handle landscape now. Like right now, how I see landscape is just a tool for me to express myself. Not really like I, I get the pleasure of being out there and everything, but not as much as I used to. And it's more for me as like, this is a tool for me to express myself. Whereas when I first started, it's like, oh, this is a tool to help me feel better, get mentally more well. I love being out here, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. When so do you think that shift happened? Um, I think that shift probably happened maybe a year and a year and 10 months ago or something, almost two years ago, maybe. Uh -huh. And I'm not really sure why I think it was because like I went, I got through all my, you know, emotional baggage and then I just started seeing landscape as a tool to be more creative. And hmm. I don't know why it flipped like that. Cause it's such a weird change. But it did, and that's how I view landscape now. I love landscape, don't get me wrong, but again, I just find it as a, a tool to express myself now. 
Hey guys, real quick, I just want to talk about today's sponsor for the podcast, and that's visualwilderness.com. Right now, for a limited time, you can get all of my courses that I've done for visualwilderness.com and also that are on my website at davidjohnstonart.com for 33% off for a limited time when you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. Again, that's 33% off for a limited time when you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. These are courses that are going to help you improve your post-processing, but also take you through some infield workflows like panorama photography. How do you do that in the field? What are the best practices? And then how do you take that work into post-processing, merge them together, and produce an exceptional piece of work? We're going to take you through several different techniques in post-processing that are going to help you improve yourself as a photographer and help you really form your creative vision for outdoor photography. So again, that's visualwilderness.com and davidjohnstonart.com where you're going to get 33% off all of my courses for a limited time when you use the code DAVID33 during checkout. Alright, let's get back to the episode. I wonder, and we talked about this a little bit through uh, Instagram Messenger when we were talking about doing an episode together. You mentioned being Native American and Spanish. I I almost wonder if your background in those two things gives you a deeper connection to landscape photography, especially the Native American side. You know, and I honestly have thought about that. Um, I'm originally from New Mexico. The Southwest. I was born in Portales, New Mexico. It's a small, mm-hmm. small town. Um, and I don't, I would like to think I do feel like I have a really strong connection, at least with the Southwest and um, more so than I would say the Northwest. Like every time I go to the Southwest, I don't know what it is, but I literally get the most crazy freaking conditions, at least like once or twice when I go out shooting. And it's so bizarre to me because I don't get that here in the Northwest as much. (laughs) But as soon as I go back there, all of a sudden it's just like, here's a random magic rainbow out of thin air. (laughs) (laughs) And hey, there's a woman on this rock and the, you know, it's a shadow of a woman's face side profile pic. There you go. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's so crazy. (laughs) (laughs) But I also just feel more connected there. And I, I think it's just because I actually do love the Southwest a lot, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's easier for me to connect with, with like my chromesthesia and landscapes out there, just because the colors kind of emulate my chromesthesia more than the colors I do get here out in the Northwest. I know, I know you talked with Matt Payne on his podcast about that. Um kind of give us, if anyone's listening who doesn't know what that is, kind of give them a background, a bird's eye view look (laughs) at what that is. So basically, random songs make me see different colors and shapes. Um, And and I've noticed kind of like a trend with the musicians um, that kind of give me that effect. And for Uh, background, you're not like on peyote while doing this. (laughs) I wish. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm actually not. I've never done that. (laughs) Um, But no, no, no. It's like 
for instance, um, <laughs> the other day, this cracks me up. So I was just listening to like a random 90s playlist uh, that Spotify built me or whatever. And the song I Love You Always Forever by Donna Lewis came up. Of all songs, I, I listened to it and I was like, what the hell? I see like <laughs> Sherbet freaking colors. Like Sherbet hot pink, hot like a nice like bright yellow and an orange. And like with a lightning blue throughout that song. And... I just couldn't help but like laugh. Like I'm driving the car to work and I'm just like dying. Like, are you kidding me? Like this song, this art, you know, like it's just so such a cheesy song and it's from the nineties. I don't know. It's just so random. And compared to like what I normally listen to, that gives me uh, the, uh, you know, lets me see color. Uh, it's completely different. So, like, generally, I listen to, like, Lord, uh, Fleetwood Mac, uh, Grimes, Purity Ring, and um, there's random bands like Anya <laughs> that, can, <laughs> or, that can, you know, make me see color as well. It's just odd and random, and it's mostly female bands, too. Female, um, yeah. I don't are, know there why. are there studies on it? You know, I didn't really look into it that much, but... I mean, I've Googled it, of course, just to see, like, is this common? Uh, you know, and it's not common at all. And I didn't really notice it until, I guess, when Lord came out or whatever. Mm -hmm. Just because I never, I never saw colors as strong, I guess, until her. And so then I was like, oh, that's weird. But I never brought it up. Like, I recently just brought it up to my husband probably, like, two years ago or a year and a half ago. And he's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> and it's just because I didn't think it was a big deal. You know, I was just like, well, whatever. That's just me. <laughs> You're like, what? You don't see this? Yeah, you don't see that? You freaking nerd. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like um, a few years back, my wife discovered that she had celiac disease. And oh, wow. it was, I think one night after dinner, she was like, do you not? do you not feel this way after you eat? And I was like, no, that sounds miserable. You shouldn't I do feel that. great after I eat. Yeah. Um, I didn't know if it was like something you perceived other people saw. Well, and when I was a kid, cause like looking back in retrospect, like I saw it and but I never said anything about it because no one else said anything about it, you know, ever. And I didn't even know what the word chromesthesia was when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know there was even a term or, you know, I just kind of ignored it. And I was just like, all right, it's there. But like, whatever. Kind of annoying <laughs> when I was a kid. But yeah. And I just figured out how to actually use it now within my work. But it's kind of a pain here in the Northwest to get this similar colors I see from mm. music. And mm. I think that's why I like my Southwest work. I personally think is better than my Northwest work. It's just because I'm able to like emulate colors a lot better or find the colors even better out in the Southwest. All right, let's jump back into your Native American heritage, Spanish heritage. Um, I, I talked briefly with um, Candace Dyer when she came on the podcast about like Native American stories on locations and and why they named certain like mountains what they did and the story behind it um, are, does that 
first of all, are, are you familiar with a lot of those things? Second of all, does that help you relate stronger to locations? Honestly, I'm not too familiar with it. I was a military brat, so mm-hmm. I moved, you know, every two years away from everybody and everything. Um, so it's harder for me to, I wouldn't be able to like even give you many stories like that just because I was away literally all my life <laughs> from <laughs> basically the, uh, my peoples. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I lived in England, Japan, Idaho, New Mexico, Georgia, Florida. Um, so Oregon now, and I basically been away from all that, which is kind of sad. Do you have a desire to? Yeah, I actually do. And I've actually bought a few books um, about like Pueblo Native Americans specifically because I'm Pueblo. Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting to read. I'm not going to lie. But even then, I think eventually I would like to go back onto a reservation just to kind of like pick people's brains if they would allow me, you know. Because I'm like, I'm half, I'm, I'm Spanish and Native American. So it's, I don't know, you have to be kind of like full tribe, you know, to be allowed on the reservation per se. Really? And yeah, it depends on um, the reservation and their rules. You don't have to be if you're marrying in per se, but um, it just, it, it all depends on the tribe as well and their personal rules. Let me let me ask you about your photographic style. Um, I first of all, can you define it? Um, colorful. <laughs> <laughs> I like a lot of colors. Uh, it's it it's more minimal, I guess now. Um, minimal, colorful. Uh, I like to tell stories with my photo works like uh, personal life experiences or just like concepts and try to uh, make the concept come to life in a photograph Hmm. what does minimalism mean to you in photography less is more (laughs) 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 like i I, just very simple scenes uh not much going on but enough to kind of make it impactful image a very balanced image i guess you can say I don't, I think that's how I would describe my, you know, photography anyway. It's just balanced. I like balanced colors. I don't like too extreme um, of anything, I guess. Um, but that's still hard to do. It doesn't always work as well, depending on the landscape I'm photographing. So if you, if the fog is like dispersing and you have crazy light going off and let's say a storm's rolling in with lightning bolts shining, like <laughs> striking the ground, everybody's like, don't call Jared. He's not going to come. It's true. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely damn right. <laughs> and it's not like I don't get pleasure of seeing it. And I will take photographs of stuff like that. Like one time I went to White Sands and I camped out there. Um, and a giant monsoon out of nowhere came through um, while I was camping out there. So we had to like hug the ground all night. It was freaking scary. Yeah. <laughs> and it lasted for about four or five hours. But when uh, the sun was starting to come up and everything, like there's lightning going around and everything. And I took photographs of that stuff, you know, but I just don't show it because I don't feel like I it's 
me, I guess. So it's kind of like uh, when I shoot with uh, my friend Tara, uh, Tara Workman, mm-hmm. and she does a lot of cool abstract texture stuff. And so like I'll st- be standing right next to her, but we'll get completely different things because I, I just feel like when I take, say, like a texture shot or abstract shot, it doesn't it just doesn't feel like it's me like it's not i don't know i feel kind of dirty about it i i know that sounds weird (laughs) (laughs) like i know that sounds weird but like it does it takes certain like aspects of an abstract or texture shot from for me to personally say oh that's that's a jared shot like that's something jared would do and <laughs> I don't know. Like that's just how I am with that stuff, I guess. Like I'll take photographs of like a wild thing happening, like a big storm coming through or whatever. But I don't necessarily share it or show it. Do you feel like it's difficult to maintain a style once you find it? I don't know if it's necessarily difficult, but like I just feel like for me personally, certain landscapes are easier for me to like get that style from, I guess. Hmm. So like if you put me in a forest in the Northwest, obviously I'm not going to do that well. And like, I know that about myself and like, I'm okay with it. Like I'll still go do that and go on the trail and hike with friends and try to photograph whatever, but I'll never show that stuff. So and it's not to like necessarily maintain my style, but like I just know what I like, and like that's what I want to do. And you know, four shots and crazy trees, like throughout the whole, you know, photograph. It's just not my thing. You're very unapologetic about it. Yeah, I mean, just because like that's me. <laughs> I don't know. Like that's what I like. <laughs> I mean, I'm not gonna sit there and be like, yeah, oh, yeah, you know, sugarcoat it. It's just like, no, it's just that's not me. And that's okay. And I still admire people who do do that stuff. It's just, it's not my thing. Did you have influences and in getting into this certain style? Honestly, my first biggest influence would probably be Hayao Miyazaki, the animator. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, he took really simple scenes and made them epic. Uh that was like for me and i went to his museum in japan and that was just life-changing for me and i got to see all the behind the scenes of like how he designs things or how he designs a scene and how does he make it impactful and he really utilized composition color and simple scenes um also you know i get a lot of um influence from painters um southwest painters like george o'keefe bruce Lowney. Um, the the newest painter I really really love that I found is Mark Magriori. I can't say his last name well. Um, <laughs> clearly, he, uh, clearly. <laughs> sorry, buddy, if you hear this ever. <laughs> but, but he does some amazing stuff, and he does some pretty simple stuff as well, but Southwest style. So, you know, I try to get a lot of different influences from a lot of different things. And I keep adding to it just to kind of like, I don't know, reinvent my style a little bit here and there, or maybe add something different to it. So like um, recently, like I've been watching Attack on Titan, which is an anime. 
Mm-hmm. And they also do really beautiful, simple scenes with like blue skies, puffy white clouds. And I'm just like, wow, I really like how they designed that. Oh, maybe I can find that out in the in the world. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'll look for it. Doesn't mean it always works, but I'll I'll at least have it in the back of my mind to look for it. Well, I got to commend you, man, because I, I feel like style is one of the most difficult things to nail down, especially in the age we're in right now, where we're bombarded with so many posts that um, get a certain amount of likes. And, and we know what works on social media. We know what what can attract that. But if I'm scrolling through Instagram, I look at somebody else's image and I have to look at their name at the top to see who it is but if i scroll and see one of your photos i'm like oh that's jared oh hell yeah that's awesome <laughs> thank you <laughs> that's awesome to hear and that's you know that's what's such a bummer about social media and honestly i fell into that trap too um when i first started because i didn't know what social media was really i like you said i'm i'm an old soul <laughs> <laughs> even though i'm only 30 i feel like i'm like 40 50 <laughs> half the time and uh it killed my creativity at first so like at first like i knew what got the most likes the most comments the most features all that crap and then i felt guilty and gross you know it's like me taking like an abstract shot or a texture shot and be like oh yeah that's so me when it's like no that's not me <laughs> and it made me feel really gross. And eventually that's when I started just going back to my roots, which was more minimal stuff. And just kind of looking back through like, what do I like? Who do I love as an artist that are not photographers? Like no photographers are allowed. Um, And that's when I went to like Heo Miyazaki, uh, Andy Warhol, Richard Avedon, who is a photographer, but he did portraits. So that's different. and then painters, you know, like Bruce Lowney and George O'Keefe, um, and just kind of picked apart their brains a little bit by looking at their work a lot and seeing what they did and bringing it back to me and what I like. Do you think, though, that you take the less minimalistic approach in other areas of creativity in your life? Like you said, you did watercolors. Um, cooking, like all the, all the meals that you listed out to me are like packed full of flavor. Oh, I love it. Yeah, no, I love. (laughs) So the equivalent of cooking to you is like a massive foreground shot with epic skies going on. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Yes. (laughs) That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't realize until you just pointed that out. Uh, Huh. I'm not. Yeah. Most of when I dive into something, I go kind of extreme. Mm-hmm. And that goes with like anything <laughs> that I take a liking to. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, like I started making cinnamon rolls. And I was like, these are going to be the best damn cinnamon rolls ever. <laughs> and I'm going to make them non freaking stop until I perfect them. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> That's what I did. <laughs> and there are tons of flavors and a lot of different seasonings I did. I tried all different ways. So that's not very minimal. You're right. <laughs> and same Do with like think- watercolor painting. But with watercolor painting, uh, I do minimal 
uh, landscapes in it. And I like that. Are you recreating the images that you take? Yes and no. So I, I've tried to do that just to kind of like force myself to practice with it. And those ones turned out crappy. Like mm. they just did not look good. So then I started making my own landscapes up and I was like, wow, this looks so much better. It looks cohesive. I don't know. <laughs> But I tried, and they sucked. <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, you need to stop. <laughs> Would you encourage other photographers to have other creative outlets like that, whether it be cooking, you know, painting, drawing, gardening? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's important to, you know, you, I love photography, I do but it's so important to give it a break. <laughs> hmm. Like I haven't shot in the past two months, hmm. I think now, and I'm okay with it. And that's fine. Like I have other creative outlets. I mean, I'll edit now still, I have tons to edit, but I have, you know, I just think it's important to balance your life around and really do try different um, creative things in your life, whether it be cooking, baking painting pottery you name it do it i think you might get other inspiration from those things and bring it back to your photography you know let me let me wrap up our conversation with this jared i i initially went on your website clicked through the landing page and kind of explored your galleries but i found myself drifting back to the landing page. And this is why I noticed just a two word phrase under your name. And on the landing page, it says, Jared Armijo being human. And then it's just a click into your website. Why have that simple two word phrase on your landing page? Like, what does that mean to you? You know, especially after, you know, this past year for everyone has been hell. Um, and there's been a lot of um, turmoil with everything. I, I think it's important for people just to remember that we're all human. We're all on this earth together, suffering together. And then that in itself is awesome. That's something we can connect on. And to remind people that we need to be human towards each other. Like we need to have these conversations. We need to love each other. Uh, it's just so important to be human. And I try like in my work to really express myself, even like the darker stuff, you know, through my work, um, just to let people know, like they're not alone with the way they think or, you know, a terrible event happening. Like my grandpa died this past year and I made a photograph about it. And I was just, I think that's just important to like share that. Well, he's Jared Armijo. Jared, I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast, um, talking about you know everything that you've gone through, being vulnerable with us and sharing your story. And also thank you for being on the front lines of the medical work during all of the pandemic and kind of dealing with that as well, lumping that back on to you know, everything we talk, I, th I feel like it's a very heavy year for you and I'm very sorry. It has been, but it's been freaking crazy. I'm not going to lie to you, but it's okay. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on.
Thank you, man. Thanks for having me.